this week's major spoilers podcast goes out to the following fine and faithful spoilerites shout outs upon you all Jeffrey Arbo, Eric Anderson, Brian Riley, Alexander Almeida, Paul Wade, Callum McCauley, Peter Walker, Sean Brown, Kevin Hope, Olin Trail, Richard Cubic, Ryan King, Tyler Gibson, Richard Cacklerice, Stephen Bauer, Jesse Ayers, Jana Martin, Zachary Radke, Joel Witten, Matthew Goins, and the Temptations of Eve. Thank each and every one of you for your fine support. We thank all of our spoilerites, but this one goes out especially to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this Issue one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Hassenpfeffer Incorporated. We're going to do it. Give us any comic, we'll review it. Give us your great idea, we'll poo poo it. Nothing's going to turn us back now. Immortal weapons going to attack now. We're going to make our dreams come true. Doing it our way because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 547 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this show that we generate for you each and every week. And thank you, really honestly, thank you for sharing this show with a friend. Without you and everything that you have done with us and for us and to us over the last seven years, we wouldn't be <laughs> where we are today. That That's a dangerous precedent right there. Why don't we get to some news? <laughs> so uh, Marvel is uh, teaming up with Netflix. Star Wars gets Ooh. a release, and SpongeBob gets fired. Let's spin that uh, Wheel of Destiny, <laughs> see what? where we la- land. But really, SpongeBob? Got yeah, fired? SpongeBob got fired. Uh, 5.2 million people watched the, the episode, caused some controversy, too. Oh, but there it lands right there on Marvel, taking live action to Netflix. So this was announced earlier this week. I think this is pretty cool, guys. Um, Walt Disney Company, Netflix, and Marvel have announced that they're working together to bring multiple original series of live-action uh, adventures to the Netflix network. Beginning in 2015, we will have a uh, series focused on Daredevil, followed by Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. And then uh, uh, it will ultimately culminate in the Defenders miniseries. Nice. Going to have some Nighthawk in there? Uh, that's all that they're committing to right now. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. Uh, it will uh, unfold over multiple years of original programming taking Netflix members deep into the gritty world of heroes and villains of Hell's Kitchen, New York. But now this, they've committed to a minimum of four 13-episode series and then the Defenders miniseries. Wow. So I think this is pretty cool. That is. that. I mean, that's a commitment for, what, 60 episodes? Give or take? Pretty much. I mean, yeah, 13 times 4 is... Uh, figure. 52. 52. And then you figure... <gasps> DC <you> got- infiltrating <laughs> Netflix. DC cannot own a number. And if you figure even if that Defenders miniseries is five issues, I mean, they've committed to essentially two seasons of programming on a regular sort of, you know, 20 episode schedule. Yeah, I guess the thing that kind of bothers me is it's over multiple years. Now, I could see, you know, doing 13, um, you know, doing a fall kickoff with the Daredevil. The next spring, you have Jessica Jones. The following fall, you have um, Iron Fist. And then the following spring, you have... um, Luke Cage, and then the following fall, you've got a 10-part Defender series. Mm-hmm. I could see that. 
But what I'm afraid of is that they're going to go in 2015 Daredevil, in 2016 yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica Jones, and then it's just going to be you're stretching it out well, too right. far. And the problem but, with another thing that would work on like regular ABC, but with Netflix, they're just going to release all 13 episodes right at once. So I mean, you could be done. Is that with what they their, do? Yeah, all, yeah that, that's so what, what, they, what they did with House it's of just, Cards. Yeah, everything comes out at once. Is Orange is the New Black on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, they do yes. the same thing? Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, if they do one, if they do a Daredevil thing for 2015, you're going to get 13 but, episodes one day, and then you'll be you'll be waiting for an entire uh, a year minus a week. But this is the new it's model. I mean, it's... This is this is the thing, you know, you guys you guys talk to me about how awesome the Breaking Bad is. With the Breaking Bad though, they did what five seasons and then they had like huge breaks in between and the Mad Men has Well, here's yeah, a season, I mean that's and a what Net, what Netflix is doing uh follows the uh, the model that HBO and Cinemax and Showtime do right. where their right. seasons are incredibly short. Right. Mm-hmm. Where uh, right. you know my favorite show was Entourage and it would irritate me to no heck that they would have a 13 episode season but it would be split between six episodes in the fall six months off and then six episodes in the spring slash summer with another six months off and they just kept doing that for eight seasons or whatever it was it drove me insane and i don't like that i mean i'm a i think uh, 22 to 32 uh, episode a season, man. That's what I like. I, in my I think TV I think series. Game of Thrones has something like ten episodes per season, yes, and yeah. that's another one the same way. So <laughs> it does. I mean, to get thirteen episodes, I think is really great, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but I guess the other thing is they throw them all up there at once. That's yeah. So I mean, if they're only going to do also, a thing at once, that's also that new paradigm of you go and you you buy the DVR and you watch them and you watch them and you watch them until you've memorized every moment of it. I think that's the way. A lot of people are starting to watch well, their television. Yeah, and, and I'll admit, I'll, I, I do a lot of binge viewing of television. Like, I sat through the whole season of Game of Thrones in a couple of nights, the first three seasons of uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I ran through Breaking Bad over the course of about three weeks. Uh, and that was fine with me. But if I am someone who's a subscriber of Netflix, unless this is really, really good, there's little incentive for me to come back again when... Um, you know, the, on week two when they have nothing there. So week one, we threw up 13 episodes. Sure. There's really no reason for me to come back. I can subscribe for one month, get everything that Daredevil has to offer, and then see ya. Have you, have you tried to subscribe to Netflix for I, one month? No, I haven't. Ah. Is there a minimum that you have to do? Um, not necessarily, but charge. yes, but Netflix is a recurring charge. So if you forget to unsubscribe oh, yeah, within yeah, a yeah, month, yeah. then you've got Netflix for another month until mm-hmm. you remember. I mean, I, I think that's something that they're banking on. Oh, absolutely. We have we have Netflix. Well, I I say we. I I uh, someone in my house has an active Netflix account, and I use it all the time for all sorts of stuff. And there are times where you're like, I'm bored. Let's go see what's on Netflix. So, I think that this could be one of those things that they're trying to use as that entry level. I'll bet you even money that once the Marvel shows go up, Netflix will also have. Just a whole big channel of Marvel-related stuff. Well, that's part of this. Part of this. Part part of this ties into uh, the deal that Disney and Netflix made last year to carry the titles from Disney, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar, Marvel Studios, Mm -hmm. Disney Nature, and Lucasfilm. So, you know, I kind of feel bad for iTunes and Apple because um, recently. Um, iTunes yanked a bunch of Disney stuff off their channel, mm-hmm. uh, even if you'd already purchased it, which was wow, yeah, which kind of made a lot of people upset. Uh, uh, fortunately, the boys have not realized that Mater's Tall Tales is no longer on the mm-hmm. iTunes. Um, 
but I mean, the same thing happens with Netflix, right? I mean, you, you they've been yeah, watching SpongeBob for a long time, and then suddenly SpongeBob isn't there. True. They have to go over mm-hmm. to Amazon or Hulu Plus or something like that. So. Or, or a different and, show. Yeah, and you know, it's it's like I watch Netflix, I watch The Twilight Zone. All of a sudden, Twilight Zone is there. Season four is not. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Nobody can tell me. Nobody has any explanation. They'd, but. It's one of those things where you pay what nine dollars a month. If, yeah, even yeah, that. Nine dollars is squeezing me into a movie theater. Basically, I go, I spend that nine dollars. I go see Thor: The Dork World once, or if I haven't got my Netflix, I sign up for Netflix. I get my thirteen half hours of Jessica Jones alias, mm-hmm. and then I also have the option to watch whatever else they have. I mean, you get your Marvel shows. You could get the old Incredible Hulk show and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. And you could have like a whole Marvel just channel that is based on here's stuff related to the Daredevil. Oh, yeah. No, I, that, I totally. God awful Jennifer Garner <laughs> movie. You could have the uh, the time that the Hulk met the met, met Daredevil. Was it Trial of the Hulk? Tri- uh, Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Rex yep. Smith, who was also Street Hawk in Street Hawk, which was a ripoff of Airwolf, which wasn't, in fact, a ripoff of Knight Rider. Uh, but yes, Rex Smith <laughs> doing double duty superhero that year. So. If I nine dollars is not that much. Black like a no, it's not. No, no. And, it, and you would think really... with just five dollars a month, you can become a silver <laughs> member over at Majorspoilers.com. Wow, man! You yeah. spend that nine dollars kicking an extra buck, you can be a gold no, member. Yes, exactly, exactly, and you get access to so much other stuff. Members.Majorspoilers.com. Sign up. Back to this. I think this is really cool. I'm looking forward to this because on Netflix, you can do things that you can't do on ABC television. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Like cussing. Or. Like Donna Pinciotti like naked. rip someone's heart out. Do you guys remember, um, do you guys remember, oh, it was about maybe six, eight months ago when they were having serious talks about the Daredevil movie coming back. And yeah. uh, they were talking about how the director wanted to make it super gritty a la 70s uh, flick that, and really make it yeah. really make it ground level stuff and focus it around Hell's Kitchen. Well, here's four characters all focused around Hell's Kitchen. You're on a network that you don't have to worry about a movie rating getting an R. You don't have to worry about the network censor saying, oh, no, no, no. Now, you do have the <laughs> Disney and Marvel brand, which they could say, hey, you know, chopping that guy's head off probably isn't very cool. But they can push the limit pretty far. Uh, and, and oh, I mean, if you've seen some of the Punisher, mo- Punisher movies, which there have been like seven or eight, each one with a different actor, mm-hmm. you know, those get pretty gory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even Blade was that way. Yeah. Yeah, Blade especially, but with Blade, you're killing vampires, you're not killing humans, and that's an important distinction that you can make. Well, this can be... These guys are vampires. These can be more people. These are hand ninjas. (laughs) They're undead ninjas. They're not real people at all. I'm fascinated and and a little bit hyped to see if they can actually do justice to Power Man and Iron Fist and, you know, to a lesser degree, Daredevil. Iron Fist, you know, you talk about your Iron Fist as a street-level character... Iron Fist is a guy from an extra-dimensional world where everybody's a super ninja. I want to see how they're going to play with that, or if they're even going to play with that. You, you know, know you, you put a Luke Cage show, you don't even have to have him be super strong every episode. You have him in his office above the gym theater. Somebody comes in, Mr. Cage, I want to hire you. Boom, heroes for hire you go. You know what I would well, do? Well, as long as he's wearing the tiara and screams sweet Christmas at least every 15 oh, minutes. Then. Not yes. just the tiara, but the yellow silk shirt open down to the navel. Mm-hmm. And the bracers. Because it's 19, yeah, yeah. 1976. And the fro. The big fro. We're talking like old school John Byrne bigger than his head. 
And then he has to say Sweet Christmas. And he should be played by that guy. Which guy? You know the one. The guy who tried to stab Mal uh, Reynolds in the back in the Serenity movie. He's not Adewale Akini Ogunbamigbi, whose name I can't pronounce. He's the other gentleman whose name I can't pronounce. Oh. The guy from 12 Years a Slave. What is his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about now. What about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about uh, Black Dynamite? Can you have him? Uh, um, what's his name? Jill, uh, oh. Michael Jaleel White or whatever his name is. No, no, no. The- <laughs> That's Urkel. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I know Michael J. White. Michael J. White. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. He played Spawn. Yeah, he was Spawn. Yeah, yeah. Not he that. It, not that See, it matters. You know who I think. You know who I think would make a great Power Man, but you'd have to do it animated. Is uh, Michael. The guy who does the voice of Cleveland Brown Jr. What is his name? Michael Richardson, maybe? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Michael I, Richardson I, all is. I have stuck in my head is Michael Clark Duncan. That's Kramer. That's Kramer. So I wonder then, Michael Matthew, Clark Duncan played Kramer? I, I'm wondering, with the Defenders, yes. does that automatically imply Stephen Strange? No. Well, yeah. The founding Defenders <laughs> were Stephen Strange, the Hulk, and the Submariner. Uh, it, it joined almost immediately after by Norrin, totally rad, the Silver Surfer. Yeah. But there were tons of Defenders, and there hasn't been a Defenders team that's lasted more than eight issues in several years. So I hope it does, because I think Doctor Strange would be a great series to do your your street level thing where it's like people are like oh doctor strange he's just this big uh, you know charlatan and then you see him floating and you know teleporting even to other universes and throw your whole effects budget into one 5 second sequence of doctor strange fixing everything so Perfect. we do know that uh, and this is i wonder how old <coughs> this story is that i'm looking up oh this is 3 years ago so we know that that's not uh totally right anymore but it lists here it lists um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course. It, it, it lists Ant-Man. It lists the Runaways as a possibility. It does have Iron Fist and Luke Cage, and we know where those two are going. Obviously, right. Guardians of the Galaxy. It does have Stephen Strange. It does have Doctor Strange, <laughs> and that's a, a a title and a property that's popped up multiple yeah, times. Yeah, it's been around. I mean, it's been kept on coming up the last couple of years. And yeah. so it wouldn't surprise Doctor's- me maybe if they did do a... Um, a movie, a small movie of Doctor Strange, kind of mm-hmm. like what they're doing with Ant-Man, and then yeah. to tie it back into that Netflix universe, he yeah. appears oh, yeah. in the in the in the TV series. I mean, it's given or in the Netflix series. Going to Netflix is giving Marvel even more ground to just test out all this ideas that they have and properties they can do with. I mean, you're already seeing them do kind well, of weird stuff with Thor, and then I mean, they're they're going they're expanding their universe. I mean, they're getting Guardians of the Galaxy. Who would have thought Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be around? When the well, first Hulk seen, movie. If you've seen the end of well, no, uh, I mean, Thor two, then when, you know all about when Guardians When Iron of Man Galaxy. came out, who said, "Oh, I bet in eight years or six years, whatever it's been, they're going to do a Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. movie." No, yeah. one well, thought I, that. I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't. I would not have said they're going to make a Thor movie. Thor yeah. is an untouchable property, yeah. and they managed to pull it off. Well, and I guess the the. Well, I was going to say that when you say that they can experiment and do so many different things on Netflix, keep in mind if they're trying to create a high production quality piece, yeah. they're still going to be spending millions of dollars to do this. Thankfully, they make billions yeah. on movies. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> that's that's true, but you do have to keep in mind right. that, you know, it's somebody spending those millions no, of agree. dollars to do that, yeah. and they are still going to be somewhat careful. Well, and right, I well, think... Matthew wanted to say something oh. real quick, sorry. I'll be interested to see if... 
they keep it a shared universe to where it ties the Netflix shows into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which tie into the Avengers franchise, which clearly ties into Guardians of the Galaxy. I really want to see, can you do this? Can you use live action actors and do what is essentially that Marvel style universe building Marvel style time and make this work in the long term? I've, I've said for a long time, I can't believe they did the universe. I said, I, they can't do it. There's no way they can do it. They've pulled it off. Let's see. You know, I want to see how far they can take. This. I think they can keep doing it because I mean, if, oh, yeah. if you've seen Shield, Agents of Shield, and even Thor, I mean, they build it very subtly, just throwing in little things to yeah. the rest of the universe. That's not like huge plot points necessarily, or you have to watch everything to understand it. But they just subtly just layer this world together. Now, one thing that I haven't done is um, I, I've been listening to a lot of the Nerdist podcasts lately. And uh, last week, I think it was last Friday, I haven't gotten it to it yet, it's up next in my podcast feed, uh, they went and interviewed Kevin uh, Fiji, 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 and uh, he supposedly talks about the other Marvel movies and things that they have uh, going on. So I don't know if he talks more about any of the other movies or how they're keeping everything in in uh, in universe and in continuity, but uh, uh, I do plan on checking that out soon. That's cool. Anything else about this uh, exciting news? We've, we have to wait a whole year, but that means we've got a whole year. Basically, if it's coming in 2015, hopefully in the beginning of 2015, not at the end of mm-hmm. 2015, that means we get a whole year of guess who's playing Daredevil, guess who's yeah. playing uh, Iron Fist and Luke <laughs> I, Cage and Jessica I'm Jones. Glad, who's going to play Jessica Jones? I am glad they're doing Daredevil solely because they're they're going to try and rehab that character because – I think the average person on the street thinks Daredevil was a giant flop with a terrible movie. And I think that it's great that they're going to give him something at least relatively high profile. Jessica Jones will be played by an actress at least five years too young for the role, by the way. Hmm. Yes. So a 12-year-old? You know what? I say that and they cast Ming-Na. And Ming-Na is roughly my age. And Ming-Na is playing, you know, the the kick-butt martial artisty foo for fog girls so they might actually cast jessica jones in the appropriate you know 30-ish range you, you said something what did you say about daredevil that it was a, a terrible movie i think that the the perception of the world what i like to call the cracked.com view of comic books is that people believe that the daredevil movie was terrible and that means that the character is stupid. Oh no. Yeah, there, are, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of people who only know daredevil from that movie that sucked with Jennifer Garner in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, and uh, I think that Dare- I think it's good that they're going to try and rehab the character. Daredevil actually made a hundred million more dollars than what it cost. It cost really? $78 million made 179 world but, worldwide. But, but we're and, talking about the movie industry where perception right. yeah, is yeah, yeah. reality. But here's the thing, and I will argue this with anybody. If you go and watch the director's cut of Daredevil, you will go, why didn't they release that in the theater? This is such a much better movie mm-hmm. than the one that was released in the theater. So uh, want, if you haven't seen that director's cut, go check it out. I want Mark Wade to write the Daredevil show. <laughs> is, there more, is there more fighty-fighty on the, uh, on the uh, playground? Because... That's no, I mean it's just how they they really re-edited. They added like two additional scenes, and then they mm-hmm. they re-edited the scene structure so that it made a lot more sense um, from the narrative as far as what was going on with um, Electra's father 
and uh, Bullseye and also how the Kingpin tied into it and how the Daredevil was actually doing some investigation into all of this as opposed to, oh, well, uh, the Kingpin invited you to his his gala ball. You should go. No, there was a reason why Daredevil already knew or that uh, Matt Murdock already knew why he didn't want to go to the go to the event. Right. So I'm um, also waiting. Go, if, go for check it out. They go, do I want I want to see how many people complain if they go back to a Caucasian kingpin. Mm. Because right. I suspect that they might. But I, th- I I I fully expect to hear people saying that it's disrespectful to Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. So, well, uh because I threw out a uh, uh the Nerdist podcast, let me throw out Fat Man on Batman. Mm. Go back and listen to the most recent Paul Dini episode, Paul Dini episode. He and Kevin Pitch what I think is a perfect young Bruce Wayne adventures TV series. Ooh. I mean, it's really good and how they tie it all together. And yeah, it's very CW ish sure. uh, in a lot of ways, but <laughs> in the what, way, and, but the way that they build it now, it's not Gothamville. I think what they ended up on titling, it was shadow of the bat. Ooh. And, um, That's a no, it's a great name for a, for a title of a comic book or a TV show because it's all about Bruce Wayne before he became Batman. Uh, so go check that out. Um, uh, Fat Man on Batman. They never should have canceled Shadow of the Bat. Eh, that one was not as good. That one I was okay on. <laughs> uh, but what you can do, listeners, is you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers costume contest. More on that in a little bit. You can also help us out by heading over to PodcastAwards.com and voting for Major Spoilers in the Cultural Arts category. You can vote every single day until November 15th. And we appreciate everybody who goes over there and, and uh, votes for us. We've got some stiff competition, including, what is it, three NPR shows uh, that we're up against, including so Ira Glass's uh, This American Life, which, eh, if we can beat them, boy. Like the most downloaded podcast in the, in the nation. <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're going to get the most votes. No, no, of course not. And I know our listeners are awesome, and they do things uh, to help us out all the time. Maybe they can help us win a podcast award at podcastawards.com. Yeah. And if nothing else, it'll be like that Drew Carey episode where we can all rush in with a trophy going first place, first place, I think, uh, first place, first place. I think we get we a, stole the first place trophy out of Ira Glass's car. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get a nominee trophy, the Woo, little tiny one. So, um, and uh, I was uh, half joking earlier when I mentioned the members only site, the VIP site, members.majorspoilers.com. But seriously, there's some cool stuff over there. Bonus tracks, yeah, there is. which uh, is a movie commentary that you can watch the movie and listen to us riff on. You can go get uh, a scary story by, by Rodrigo or Matthew. You can also check out original art. You can get the character sheets are starting to appear uh, for the characters from Critical Hit, if that's what you're into. Uh, and a whole lot more. Members.majorspoilers.com. Sign up for a bronze, silver, or gold membership. Each one comes with its own little perks, but every little bit comes back and helps us continue to produce um, fine quality shows and content for Majorspoilers.com. Let us get to some reviews, why don't we? So we've mentioned it a couple of times. Thor The Dark World uh, opened this past week, and I did take the time on Saturday to go see it. I, I offered my son it was Saturday afternoon. I said, son, do you want to go see uh, Thor The Dark World? And uh, keep in mind what happened just this past summer. He's like, dad, isn't that PG-13? I'm like, well, yes, yes, it is. He goes, that may be too violent for me to watch. I'm like, but you went and saw <laughs> The Man of Steel, and you didn't have any trouble with that. He goes, yeah, but that's Superman. <laughs> Interesting. But he had no interest in going to see Thor, uh, which I thought was a surprise. 
And what's even yeah, saying is how he hit me with a with a phony owner earlier today. Yes. Uh, and what's even more surprising is I really like this movie. I thought it was much better than the first film. Uh, I even though there are some big plot holes, especially in the a uh, little bit of spoiler here in the divining rod thing that they that they use at the end of the movie. But um, man, when you're talking about the nine worlds and really keeping things off Earth for the most part. I thought they did an excellent uh, job of uh, mixing Asgard and the Dark Elves world and um, uh, everything that went along with the idea of which gem is this? The Infinity Gem? It's one of the Infinity no, Gems. It's one of them. I don't remember what he said. I forget which one it is. The Cosmic Infinity Gem? The Soul Gem, possibly. No, it's not the Soul Gem. It's the one that allows they you did, to transport. They didn't, they didn't mention, they, they, they didn't they, mention they didn't what it was. They just called it. it a Cosmic Gem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it transfers through space, it may be the Space Gem. Yeah, I forget. I saw through time. It may be the time gem. No, it may be the space gem. Maybe, maybe gem in the holograms. I can't remember. Maybe the black the shadow escapes gem. from body gem. There's the Is time gem? gem, the space no. gem, the soul gem, the power gem, uh, the stratagem. The well, the uh, the whatever the, the one the the energy gem is the uh, tesseract. tesseract. So um, the cosmic cube is a gem. Yeah, it is in this yeah. in this universe. Yeah. Oh well, retcon ahoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, this all kind of ties into what's coming up with Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, all that kind of stuff. But here, Thor has to fight uh, the last of the Dark Elves, who are set uh, hell bent on destroying everything good in the universe and just turning everything dark and basically letting the Dark Elves uh, rule. Uh, fans of Doctor Who may want to go check this out because. Um, uh, what's his face? The, uh, what is it? The ninth doctor, Eccleston. um, Eccleston is, uh, is the head dark elf, uh, Michaelith or whatever his name is. Michaelith. Malekith. Yeah. Megalith, um, yes. Megalith. Uh, so for bad guys, there's some good bad guy stuff. Uh, there's some good Loki action and I like how they expanded upon the, uh, the stepbrother relationship between Loki and Thor. Uh, there's a lot of death in this movie, so you want to be prepared for that. Um, some good action sequences, lots of really good special effects. Um, it's got uh, um, uh, Princess Amidala in it, which is always a plus for any movie. Um, Natalie Portman. and She was in Garden State. Yep, she was also in Star Wars. Uh, and it's got um, um, Anthony um, Hopkins uh, as uh, Odin. Don't get to see Odin balls, but he does, you know, he does a really good job as uh, as Odin in this. And I think still strikes a really powerful presence uh, in in the piece. Um, Does he threaten to eat anyone's brain? Nope, he doesn't do that. Oh, man, there's a really good spoiler at the end of that movie. (gasps) That is really, really good. So good. It is. It is really good. Yeah. But again, there are some plot holes. The one thing that I did notice about this is this is really kind of uh, the first movie that you that references a lot more of the other movies that have come before it. So it most certainly references the first movie. Uh, It makes reference to uh, the Avengers movie, obviously. Uh, And then they make uh, some allusions to Captain America and Iron Man uh, in bits and pieces. Uh, If you know who those characters are, if you've seen the Avengers, you're probably going to be okay going into this. You're really probably going to be okay if you haven't seen the first Thor movie, but I'm going to bet most people have. Um, I have. You have or have not? Have not. I've never seen Thor. Yeah, you might want to. You might want to check it out. It's on Netflix. Yeah, there you Mm -hmm. go. It's true. It is. I've seen the uh, DVD uh, opening screen where Mjolnir is flying through space and time. 
and it hypnotized me and I fell asleep and never watched Yeah, it. Rainbow Bridge is there and all that stuff. Rebuilt, Battles on the Nine yeah. Worlds. Um, I think, uh, oh, here's something that I didn't think I was going to do. I was going to go see the Late Late movie, which here in Hayes is like 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> hey, get off my lawn, you kids. But I was, I was running. up the streets. You can't be out anymore. I, I was running a little bit ahead, and I got to the theater about 9.35, and the 3D version started at 9.30. And I was like, I'm not going to wait around 25 minutes to see the non-3D 25 version. whole minutes. I'd have to sit in the lobby eating my popcorn and looking all lonely by myself because my son didn't want to hang out with his dad. Over by the Ender's game. Uh, over by the Ender's display. display. They were all out of jalapenos in the uh, in the condiment bar. I was a little disappointed. Oh, man. Uh, so I decided to go see this in 3D because I'd seen the first one in 3D. And they did some pretty cool things in 3D in the first Thor movie. But it was kind of smack you in the face. Hey, look what we're doing. This is in 3D. 3D in this one was a lot more subtle. But you could tell that there was depth going on in the scene. And I really really like this. This is the first 3D movie that I will admit that I've really enjoyed watching in 3D. Um, did, you see, did you see Gravity? No, I haven't seen Gravity. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to cool. go see that movie. That's cool. Sorry, I'll watch it in the home theater. No, I don't care. Just like when I watch Wolverine next, next week uh, in the home theater. I'll, I'll watch that. Da Wolverine. Uh, yeah. Da Wolverine. Well, I mean, cause I was talking da about the, the 3D. Not Wolverine. Really it's not that movie. Um, that's a different one. Actually, you should watch that movie. That's a great movie. No, not the remake. It's terrible. That's got no. Don't read the. I don't the think you can. Don't I don't think you that. can get. I don't think you can get the original on iTunes. I think the only you one you can. can get is the crappy, the crappy remake. Mm. You know what? You need to watch Red Dawn with Jennifer Grey's original nose. Also tied into this because uh, I did not re- realize that uh, Agent Coulson is married to Jennifer Grey. Hmm. Very Not interesting. True. Now, he does not appear in this movie, which was a little sad. You didn't see any of the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. make an appearance. You didn't see Nick Fury make an appearance. You do see Captain America make a quick appearance, uh, but it's just not really pertinent to no. the overall story. Uh, there are two in-credit bits, which are uh, one of them is uh, ties into an upcoming movie, as we mentioned, Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought the production value of that was pretty bad, but you get, do get to see Benicio Del Toro. Uh, play the collector in that in that clip. That guy's going to be in Guardians. Well, he's the collector. Is that Kamal Thar the collector? Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a space. Uh, the collector's no, a space guy. Uh, he's, he's basically the he's basically the brainiac of the Marvel universe. I hope he's not in much of the movie. That guy was weird. Yes, which the has me concerned about that. Yeah. Um, and then I believe a, that there's going to be more than one elder in the movie. I think you're going to get the collector and the possessor and the runner. And uh, the uh, operator. He's and then there's there. also a funny lost dog moment at the end of the uh, in the second clip that I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's good for a laugh. Yeah, it was good. It's a, it's a yes. Go see it, Matthew. You'll you'll then understand what I mean. Um, bad things. A couple of plot holes. I didn't think that the movie dragged. Uh, certainly the uh, Warriors three got downplayed quite a bit uh, in this movie than they did in the past <laughs> ones. Considering that they bench one right out, right off the bat, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're like, "You stay here with your people." They're like, "Well, we're uh, planning on giving uh, Gate Guardian a much bigger role, yes. so other minority, you stay here." <laughs> they, um, they benched Hogan. Yep. Yep. Oh, like it was oh. in, within the first ten minutes. They're like, "You stay here with yeah. your people," yes. and then the only time he appears is at the end of the movie when he looks up to see something pop through one of the dimensional portals and pop back out yeah. again, and he's just like, "Huh, 
and then goes back to whatever had, he like, was doing. Two days on set. Like, yeah, yeah. See you later, man. Bench Volstag. I love Volstag. Well, but he he has one good moment uh, where he's when they're trying to get into a ship, uh, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sif doesn't get. I mean, she gets more screen time than the rest of them. Um, but even then, but even then, she is really no. downplayed. Um, but overall, I enjoyed Thor a lot. Uh, Thor: The Dark World a lot. Uh, I think if you have been enjoying a lot of what Marvel's been putting out, this movie might surprise you. Um, uh, somebody over at Major Spoilers who does work for us, Jason Inman, he does the Jason Reads Comics videos. He said he didn't like it very much. He said he thought it was too much fantasy um, and not enough um, regular mm-hmm. Marvel stuff like he's used to. Um, yeah, so he didn't think uh, it was better, but you know, a lot of people are saying that this movie is much better than the first one. That, that's the thing, though, is that I think the reason why the first Thor movie was successful is because it was fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I think the biggest challenge that this movie had was how do we tie Earth back into right, this? Right. And I don't think it fully succeeded in that. No, I don't think I, I so. Think, I think the movie could have easily just spent its entire time out in oh, fantasy yeah, land Asgard. and you would have never had to be back on Earth at all. Um, which is actually how I feel about Green Lantern. I think there are, there were moments mm-hmm. in Green Lantern where I was like, why are we back on Earth? This yeah, yeah. villain is way less relevant than yeah. the other villain that's out there. And the only reason why Earth plays a part in here is because it becomes the focal point. Right. Which, yeah, yeah, and I forget yeah. which comic I was reading this past week. Maybe it must have been one from Marvel. Were you reading a, a comic in which Earth is the focal point of the final struggle? Uh, I think you're thinking of every, every comic. comic book. Yeah, <laughs> and again, it was it was just striking because it was just like, and, but it was I think super recent, where mm-hmm. it's just basically like how Earth is this focal point which everything passes through, regardless, and that's why mm-hmm. everybody's always trying to attack. Now, in this case, it just so happened because Earth was crossing into the alignment right. that all of that happened. Don't but cross the I, stream. I enjoyed this movie a lot. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I'm giving this four slices of meatloaf for Thor, the dark world. Go see it now. And really, again, I didn't hate it in 3d. So go check it out. Wow. And here's the guy that says 3d. What a gimmick. What a, (laughs) what a fad. Blah. This actually was really good. How were the previews in 3D? Uh, you know what? Because, and that was one of the nice things about oh, getting there five them? minutes late uh-huh. is I walked into the middle of the five-minute Thor, or the five-minute Captain America bit that they had running at the beginning, uh, yeah. but it looked like just like the trailer that was online, so yeah. I didn't yeah, miss Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah, same, it was the same trailer that we've yeah. already seen. So I yeah. didn't miss anything and got to sit down yeah, and eat my good. nachos and, uh, and watch me a movie uninterrupted, so yeah, good. good times, yeah, good times. Let us continue with the, um, the Marvel love this week. With some Marvel Iron Love. Man action. Iron Man action figures. First of all, Iron Man number 18 came out this week. Uh, written by Kieran Gillen and drawn by the art team of Joe Bennett and Scott Hanna. And I have been reading the new Iron Man series off and on. And I have raged, raged against the dying of the light. Because of a couple of, A, plot issues. And B, the fact that the book has been drawn by Greg Land whom I just kind of hate. So I went into this issue not expecting something big and awesome. And I will say that I was very pleased to be wrong in this situation. Um, For those of you who hadn't noticed, the last few issues, Tony Stark, Iron Man, has been in outer space. And he's been hanging out with an alien robot called the Recorder 551, or 451, whichever it is. And the Recorder told him the truth about his origins that this alien robot came to earth 30 years ago and genetically engineered a baby 
for Howard and Maria Stark. Uh-oh. And that Iron Man himself is a genetically altered mutant machine thing and not the average, you know, alcoholic dude that we thought he was. Wow. But isn't that, wow, isn't that kind of crazy because uh, they tried to do the Here's same thing with the Tony Stark in the Ultimate Universe. Here's the thing. Recorder 451 was lying. <gasps> Uh-oh, thank goodness. They did genetically engineer a child for the Starks. However, it was not Anthony Stark. It was their, uh, their heretofore unknown son, Arno Stark. Now this, stay with me on this. This is fascinating. In the year 1984, Marvel Comics put out an awesome limited series that no one has read called Machine Man, where the character Machine Man woke up 20 years in the future, 30 years in the future, whatever it was, and faced the future Iron Man of the year 2020, which again, 35 years in the future of 1984. That Iron Man was named Arno Stark. This is apparently, since it's the year 2013, the actual origin of the Iron Man of 2020, there you allowing go. for the time distortion created by Franklin Richards and his brain. But Arno, the reason he's unknown is he spent the last 30 years of his life in an iron lung in a secret hospital. So now, Tony has come home and discovered that his parents did not genetically alter him and he was not built by an alien. But they are not his genetic parents. Tony Stark was adopted. Now, none of this is in this issue. That's all the setup for this issue. This issue is really good. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for, the for, for Iron Man for the first time in about a year and a half since Fraction left the Iron Man title, basically, because this is something new slash old that feels interesting it feels like we haven't seen this before tony stark is no longer the lone genius guy he's no longer the guy who lives alone and drinks in a quiet room because no one understands him he now has a brother who's equally genius and he now has a perspective on his life that allows him to take a step back from just tony stark and his ego and look and see that there is a bigger picture Half of this issue takes place in the future, 30 years in our future, where Tony and Arno have finally fixed everything and created a utopia, except not, and bad things happen. And there's an interesting twist about this future story that makes it more than just one of those, here's a story in the future, days of future past again. There's a really nice moment about halfway through where Kieran Gillen manages to do the oh my God, shocking twist moment without tweaking the part of my brain that goes, oh my God, shocking twist. And as the issue ends, we get to the point where Tony and Arno are working together for a better universe. And they've done three things that I really appreciate. First, they've got Tony acting like someone who's really excited to have discovered unexpected family members. Second, they have changed Iron Man's armor to where he's no longer wearing red and yellow. He's actually wearing black and gold, and it looks really, really striking. They've been changing Iron Man's armor a lot lately, so I'm glad that they're settling down with something. And the issue ends with a little teaser 
that is going to make Steven go, oh, where a young girl is sitting on a bench and a, suddenly a ring flies down out of the sky and decides that she might be a good candidate. And For the Green Lantern Corps? Excellent. DC and, and Marvel finally to getting together. And the ring says, you possess the necessary will. And it possesses her. And it says, you are Mandarin Seven. <laughs> Save the Earth from Tony Stark. Yeah, that's great. So the Mandarin's rings are floating around trying to find new hosts. And great ending. The Mandarin, great ending. Like, the oh. Mandarin Corps. I love it. The Mandarin has 10 alien rings, which are kind of awesome. Uh, point of order, not at all related to anything. The alien rings are actually created by the same race that gave us the mighty Fin Fang Foom. That makes sense. The, Mo- the Makluan race actually built those things. But in any case, really strong issue. Four and a half slices of meatloaf for Iron Man 18. First of all, the art's not traced. So, you know, good on them. They managed to take what could have been a terrible plot point, hold it over us and say, look at this plot point. Are you afraid of this plot point? You hate this plot point, right? Good, because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something completely unexpected. And while that could have been really obnoxious, and there are probably people out there who think of it as kind of a D-bag maneuver, it works. It's a rare example of a swerve that is both shocking and satisfying. This is a good issue, man, and I'm, I'm probably going to start picking up Iron Man again if they all stay this good. Cool, cool, cool. Why don't we take a, a little break in our, our Marvel love and get to a Dark Horse comic this week, Rodrigo? Yeah, Dark Horse comics. All right, so um, I picked up Clown Fatale number one, which I think comes out this week. Yeah. Um, art by Mauricio Rosen. Rosenzweig, maybe? Rosenzweig, I don't know. Uh, writer Victor Gishler, I think. Uh, so this is a story of uh, these clowns that um, are, they really hate their job as clowns, mm-hmm. and somebody offers them some money to go kill a guy. Yeah. And they kind of accidentally end up in a situation where they have to kill the guy. Um, and then they do. And then they're like, Oh, well now we get money. Um, not a terrible premise for a comic. Um, probably, uh, once you start looking though at the specifics of this comic, it starts becoming a little bit more problematic. Uh, for one, the clowns are all ladies Okay. Um, not that that's a problem. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, but they're all sexy clowns. Oh, sexy clowns. Yes, I think I've seen those Halloween costumes. Yeah, they're all sexy clowns. So one of them is a cowgirl whose only clown makeup consists of wearing a star over one eye, which I think really just puts you in what Peter Chris, not on because yeah, he's a cat, it puts you in like Ace Freely territory. <laughs> um, so that does, that does not a clown make. Um, then there's one... That has a little red nose. That's uh-huh. about the only clowny thing she has. Maybe she has a tiny hat. Then one that's a little bit more clowny. Um, and then one that really is just dressed like a... Like, geisha, kind of. Like, I mean, she's got, like, uh, 
she's Asian, like she's clearly Asian, right? Um, and has like white paint on her face and like a like like red cheeks yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is that like is that supposed to be, be a clown? Probably be not. a clown, but they they are clowns. So the ver- just on the cover, the very first very problematic thing is like these are clowns, and one of them is clearly like a Chinese thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And it's like that is not a clown. Really, none of these are probably clowns, but this one specifically is definitely not a clown. First problem I had with the book. Um, second problem, they're all sexy clowns, which makes very little sense in that everybody's like, boo, we hate the clowns and blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> they are stripperific clowns. Like, they're like, oh, everybody wants to see the Russians throw knives. It's like, no, they don't. This doesn't make any <laughs> sense. If you appeal to the lowest com- denominator people, like, People are going to go see the sexy clowns throw pies at each other and, like, douse each other with water. That's exactly what people would go see in a circus. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make any sense that they don't like the clowns. Um, oh, wait. Oh, man. It gets, seems to get worse. There are actual boobies, breasts in the book. Yes. I was surprised to see actual so am I. girl nipples uh, on the book. Um, so if you... If, if, if you're into that, if that's what you want to see in your comics, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that that's not what I want to see in my comics, <laughs> to a certain degree it is, then definitely check it out because there is frontal nudity in this. Um, and drinking so and, drinking and drugs as well. Yeah, the the all the clowns are drug addicts. Um, all the sexy clowns are drug addicts. They um. There's some very convenient stuff, like the guy they're supposed to, that they're contracted to kill is also their drug dealer. So they're like, we're not going to kill him. Let's go get some drugs. Then that guy tries to rape one of them, and then they kill him, which makes sense. But it has seemed a little convenient. There's very. I'll just stop my review here. Like basically saying that, aside from the fact that the art is decent, um, there's basically nothing that I liked about this book. I am, to be honest, as I'm flipping through here, I am surprised this is a dark horse book. To yeah. be honest, yeah. I, I mean, I think that uh, you know, dark horse is definitely the sort of company that takes chances, and obviously they take chances on creators. I don't know if these guys, if uh. Gishler has done anything uh, in the past. I'm not familiar with the name, but uh, to, to be fair, I'm not familiar with most names. What's the uh, first name? Victor. Victor Gishler. Name sounds familiar. I can't think yeah, of. What I mean, he's... he might have, he might have done other stuff, but this this book is to me a uh, kind of a um, seems like a hastily put together reason to have scantily clad women and in a medium like comics you don't need that you don't need to find a new way to get scantily clad women you can just get that anywhere um so i was not i was not impressed i'm really not interested in in picking this up uh anymore like i said the art is fine but i have problems with a lot of the character design in this so i'm probably gonna give this uh one and a half slices of meatloaf Okay. This, I mean, um, I really would, I, I could see this being an image. I would have no problem this being an image. But Interesting. I, I'm just really surprised that this is, uh, well, with because they do Bomb Queen 
and uh, some of the well, other I, stuff. And I think, and I think that's what it comes down to is that actually both Image and Dark Horse uh, will, you know, will just let. I mean, they don't, they don't have that sort of. Um, I would always well, well, editorial oversight. I mm. mean, they're like, okay, creator, give us a pitch. The creator gives them a pitch, and they're like, all right, cool. What? Uh, who's the one that did the uh, the Grindhouse comic book? That one that's out now with the Bee Lady, Matthew. I think you reviewed it a couple weeks ago, or maybe Rodrigo. You did. I did not. That was not me. I have to look and see who that is because oh, this right, feels yeah. like a feels maybe like a very Grindhouse uh, uh, oriented type comic book. So yeah, I mean, there's. Some not not actual sex, but obviously sex, sex and violence. If you're into that, doors open at midnight from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Mm-hmm. That's Grindhouse, yeah. Um, and yeah, it feels the same way as that book does too. So interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, well, now back to our regularly scheduled Marvel talk. Yay, Zach. You also picked up a Marvel book. This was week. I supposed to do a Marvel book? No. Nobody tell me. Just so happened that you were the and you didn't even read the book that I thought you were going to read. I was pegging you for uh, uh, Resident Alien number three, the the new one that's out. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking of reading it, but then I saw this one on the previews, and I was like, "This looks terrible." Oh, okay. I'm reviewing it for the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yes. So I read Cataclysm. The Ultimate's Last Stand. Uh, is this number one? This is number one. Uh, before this, I believe, was the miniseries Hunger in the Ultimate Universe with Galactus coming to the Ultimate Universe. See, apparently, Galactus has never been in the Ultimate Universe before. And so, when Galactus shows up, no one knows who he is. They just keep referring to him as the giant man with the weird hat, which pretty good description, I guess. So it starts out with uh, Miles Morales and uh, his friend Gacky Genki Genki. Genki. I always forget what his name is. Wait, the grandma from Arrested Development? It's this overweight Asian kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always forget. I can't remember what it is. They don't really say his name in this book. Anyways, so they're arguing. Miles has seen Galactus before. No one's believing him. Obviously, it'd be in the news if a giant Galactus was in the sky. All of a sudden, Galactus appears and essentially destroys New Jersey in about two panels. Panels Just goes ape crazy and sets off a huge Galactus bomb or whatever he does. There's a lot of Kirby dots. Stuff exploded. S.H.I.E.L.D. starts throwing rockets at it. They don't know what to do. They're shooting. They're like, where the flip are the Ultimates flying the Ultimates? They're like, what the heck is this guy? Tony Stark's like in some weird lab. He's like, oh, calculations, calculations. Uh, This thing isn't from here. And then they fight and fight. And then the issue's over. It's pretty quick. Which has been... Most of my reasons why I stopped reading essentially just uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, which I yeah. really enjoy. I really enjoy some Miles Morales. Yeah. But my big problem with the Ultimate books is that they're relatively short, and they're all three ninety nine. This one I bought it digitally. This is nineteen pages. Wow! But it does it does have four two page spreads, so I think it'd come in at like twenty three pages in a print. If my math yeah, is yeah. right. But still three ninety nine for a book. 
Four two-page spreads is a lot. Mm-hmm. There must be some big action going oh, on. Oh man, those Galactus spreads. is big, and he just starts destroying stuff. I don't know why. I guess that's just Galactus's. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Galactus. He just kind of destroys stuff because he's hungry. Galactus. He does. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, eats yeah, planets. He eats that's stuff. what he does. He eats stuff. But right, and wow. he's also starting with New with Jersey. The ultimate version what a way of to ruin your appetite. Is there an ultimate version of Galactus? Well, there is. Galactus. The Galactus Swarm yeah, was actually absorbed thing. by our universe's Galactus, which have basically dehumanized whatever was human of our Galactus and made their Galacti much, much more dangerous. So this is sort of a composite of both Galacti, according to the Hunger Limited series. Okay, see, I didn't read that. Yeah, I did. Okay. You, just, literally, what I just told you is everything you need to know. Oh, okay. Because when everyone refers to Galactus, it seems like no one knows what he's, a Galactus is. He's the big guy with the funny hat. Right, right. Even then, did he ever? Did he even but did come ever back and do anything else? Like between when he showed up on like Ultimate Fantastic Four or oh, whatever, the Galactus and, Swarm. I don't yeah, think so. And there now? was a huge crossover. Um, Ultimate. Nightmare, ultimate secret, ultimate something else, <laughs> where the Galactus Swarm came and tried to destroy the Earth, and uh, then we got okay. Ultimate Captain Marvel. I mean, there was a big, like, mm. 10, 12 issue schmageggy about mm. it. Mm. 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 Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, if rumors be true, this could be the end of the Ultimate Universe from comic conventions this summer. It kind of sounded like that, possibly. Who knows? Um, it's a yeah, like a pr- like to probably, swerve. Probably is. It's, is that kind of like twerking? Yeah. <laughs> Later this week, I'm going to be doing me some Galactus <laughs> swerve. Uh-huh. Uh, I did. I, I did like enjoy this mainly because of Miles. I like Miles as a character. Um, I might try to keep picking up just the Ultimate Amazing Spider-Man or Ultimate Spider-Man Fantastic Spectacular, whatever the Ultimate title is. Regular Spider-Man. <laughs> Uh, I like Morales. He's cool. Everyone else, I haven't really read. They kind of just seem like they're normal selves from whatever. Uh, Art was pretty good in this book, besides the first couple pages with Miles and his friend. They looked kind of weird and not like the normal selves. Everyone else looked fine. Everyone looked fine. But those two in normal street clothes looked incredibly weird. Galactus blowing stuff up looked awesome. So that was cool. A lot of buildings exploding. Good stuff. I have to take it down somewhat for my page count and the price thing. But I'm going to give this three slices of meatloaf. I like this. Excellent. I'm going to keep reading it. That was out last week. Yeah. From Marvel Comics. All right. Uh, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can read a, a whole bunch of other reviews over there, including a retro review where my favorite character of all time, Doc Savage, teams up with The Thing. One of my favorite characters of all time. Uh-oh, careful. Our universes are getting too close together, Matthew. Uh, don't worry. It turns out it's nothing more than a frassum. Okay, cool. Uh, all that, Majorspoilers.com. Hey, there's a thing going on. The Major Spoilers Costume Contest. Costume Contest. This is what, the seventh annual that we're doing? Sixth annual, seventh annual costume contest? One of those. One of those. It means we've been doing Let's this a long annual. time. We've been doing this a long, long time. How old is Major Spoilers? Like 10? No, 7. 7 and a half. Like a little baby? Yep, 7 and a half. So this will be our 7th one. And we we had a huge number of uh, contestants in her. A lot of great costumes this year. 
Um, last week we narrowed it down to semifinalists, mm-hmm. which were all awesome. Uh, but there can only be five finalists through a complex uh, voting rubric for, through through a vote, but it does work surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, complex voting, but we have it down to our major spoilers finalists, and now that brings us to the major spoilers. The poll of the week, 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 week. And it kind of continues on a little bit with our Marvel love because of the five finalists, three of them are Marvel characters. We've got Citizen V. Kang the Conqueror, uh, who I made a joke looks a lot like Brian Ibbett over at Coverville, that podcast. (laughs) He did not disagree with me. Uh, So Kang the Conqueror may indeed be (laughs) Brian Ibbett. Uh, And then we have um, Ultron, all from the Marvel Universe. And then on the DC side, we had Brainiac, which I thought was really good. And the guy, I apparently shot his picture at uh, in Metropolis, Illinois. Which is pretty awesome. Which is pretty awesome. And he's carrying a little bottled city of Candor in his, uh, with his costume. Nice. And then one that I did not think was going <laughs> to make it to the top 10, but did, and then made it into the top five. Randus from Critical Hit. Randus. <laughs> bad Randus. I feel bad. Randus, what are you doing here? Whoa. I know. It's like, picture oh. four. <laughs> Ask a question. Look at a picture. Randus, what are you doing here? Look at picture four. Oh. I, I felt so bad about Randus because I'm like, that Randus cosplay is awesome. And I love Randus the character. And I'm just like, but <laughs> you know that thing where you go and somebody's like, I'm cosplaying as the illegitimate son of Zatanna and the Golden Age Flash. And you're like, great costume. But is that really a thing? I don't know. Well, Randus is a great costume. We did the votes. And this is where the complex rubric rubric comes in. Right. And it wasn't just the five of us. Oh, no, no, I mean, no. We, there was no, no, everybody, no. everybody who writes for major spoilers uh, could fill it out. Uh, so Wait, that there are been... only four of us here. Are you calling me fat? <laughs> so it would have been Zach, Rodrigo, me, uh, Matthew, Rob, Brian, Jason, Kevin, Elijah. I had Jason Inman. Uh, there was like 12 of us, I think, that... Mm-hmm. that uh, that tabulated our votes out of the 48 Skipper, or 50, uh, Marianne, 50 people that were there. Faster. And it is a, a complex uh, rubric, but like I said, Donald it does, Duck, it does work launch, out really launch well. Launchpad. Launchpad McQuack was there. Pad, McQuack, yeah. So now, you know, it really is at Dog this point, number one. it is at this point really up to everyone out there to vote, right? But who here, let's go through and see which of these five do you want to see win? Rodrigo? It's this it's it's a difficult choice for me. I think I would give it to uh I think I would give it to Citizen V uh because it's a very complete costume. It's not just mm-hmm. the Citizen V costume, but also inside the costume the um the uh this person hamburgerized his face yeah yeah to yeah. appear as the spoiler alert super secret identity of uh citizen v which is baron zemo cool it's very Tell well you, done not heinrich there are two yeah. baron zemos yeah it's a it's a um it's a legacy character yeah yeah Hel- Helmut zemo matthew who did you go with well and this was complicated for me because i broke it down and i'm like gosh i love all these guys and the amazing amount of work. That oh yeah. They're all fantastic. So good. Citizen V was 
just amazing. And the Kang, the thing about Kang is Kang is not like a character that people go, I want to be Kang. Kang is incredibly difficult. And you look at that helmet, you look at the costume, the face paint, it's amazing. Randus is really dead on. Randus is a better Randus than Randus. And I really, really love the Brainiac. I think Brainiac is just simple and great and dead on. But for me, it came down to the molding in the Ultron head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I had to go with Ultron simply because there, there's tons of work in all of these costumes. And I would never, in fact, I would never poo-poo the amount of work that went into any of the uniforms, you know, any of the costumes we got, such dedication, such work, such creativity. But Ultron is just kind of one of those, oh, my word, how in the, ah, is there a guy, is his head in there? Yeah, his head's what in is, there. Yeah. And it, check this you out. You look at that, and Ultron is like, how? Yeah, I know. It's it's really cool. And that's the one that, for me, this is the one that I that I vote for, too, is, is for Ultron to win. And apparently, if you look in some of those shots where the mouth is lit up, mm-hmm. um, somebody who saw this at Dragon Con said that when the guy talks... It lights uh, up as he's talking, and it's yeah, all done yes. in the style of oh. Kirby dots. So it all looks like Kirby dots in there lighting up. Oh, nice. And if you look, it's kind of you can kind of see that happening in that last picture. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, just the detail in the neck and the head, and the fact that I knew things were lighting up in there. I didn't know about the Kirby yeah. dot design. Yeah, the torso too. I mean, yeah, the, the tor- just everything in that awesome. is the one Amazing. that uh, that Holy was uh, is my favorite to win. What about you, young Zach? I, I'm with Ultron also. Uh, I really like the design. And when that commenter said that about the Kirby Dot's mouth, I thought that was just awesome. Like ha- seeing a video that would be. I would love super to see a video. Maybe cool. if this person wins, maybe I'll see if he has or yeah. she. Maybe it could be a she in there. Yeah. Uh, or a he them. or she. Who knows? Yeah, it could, could be, be like two, two little people. <laughs> two could be, I, yeah, I'm thinking it's like actually like three corgis, <laughs> like on top of each other, and one of them, one of them's on the legs, one of them's on the arms, and one of them barks, and that's yes. when the Kirby dot, yeah. dots appear. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can see if they have any video of that uh, to include. One of them barks cool. and sounds exactly like James Spader. Yeah. So here's yeah. the thing, um, you know, voting continues until I want to say the end of the week, like Sunday at 1158 or something like that. Um, so you have until then to vote. And we want to try to get as many people in here voting as possible. You can only vote once. So make sure your vote counts. Um, and this is going to be, I think, this year, another close race. We're about halfway through the voting. Matthew, how is uh, how is it standing right now? I am seeing right now 1,049 votes logged. Uh, and actually, wow, 41% of those votes logged for Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Citizen V, wait, let me read into the thing. because Yeah, that'd bottom. be the next one. Citizen V at 24%, uh, 8% running for Brainiac, 8% for Kang, 19% for Randis. So, I mean, Ultron's got a lead, but even so, if you look at, you know, that's a question of 100, 150 votes. If you come in and you have enough friends or if there are enough people who want to come in and really vote for, say, I don't know, uh, your Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. No, I've we've seen this uh, in the past where it literally Ex- has come down to yeah. the wire. Yeah, and yeah. One year we had a tie. Uh, the year that we had uh, Two Face, and I forget who else was in that one, where we literally had to flip a coin. Uh, actually, it was Two Face. 
and the other half of Two Face. Yeah. <laughs> it was Two Face so and then, Harvey Dent. Two Face and Harvey Dent. Yeah. So, listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Spread the word about the Major Spoilers costume contest. Check out the fantastic entries that we have over at the site, and then marvel at the. Uh, see what I did there? Marvel at the uh, finalists uh, in this piece. They're <laughs> all. They're all critical them. hitters. They're all critical hits, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, eh, DC, whatever. Hey. <laughs> no, I Every really, time I, I really say like the to word fifty-two. You go. Oh, I love fifty-two. Man, I, I think we should review that over the course of like four months, where we take fifty-two and we break it into the four different quarterly chunks. Sure. And and take that on. I think that'd be good. I think it's like what would that be like sixteen issues each. Dude, Something I read like fifty-two that. the first time. Why are you gonna make me? Because it's good. Not you know countdown. Not good? countdown to fifty-two. Not fifty-two. Okay. Not 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 countdown to infinite crisis or countdown, countdown to final yeah. infinites. Yes. Countdown to the infinite final penultimate crisis of infinite earth. No, no, that one was terrible. Do a final countdown? Europe will play it. And if you play that song while you read it, some weird QR code pops up, and then you scan I can't, it, and a 3D of Batman pops up. I can't That's listen to that song without seeing Christopher Daniels kicking somebody in the gut, though. So. Well, you know, if you wanted to go buy uh, that Europe album, or if you wanted to go buy our uh, trade of the week, uh, this week it's the Immortal Warriors, uh, the Immortal Weapons, uh, you could head over to Majorspoilers.com. You could click on that Amazon.com link, that banner that's right there. You can buy that. You can buy a CD player, I suppose, if you want. Uh, you could go buy a DVD of uh, Thor, or Blu-ray might be better. In fact, go, I hear you go can go buy, buy a, a four Marvel Universe. Figure out who Kang is. You could go buy a 4K uh, television monitor. Ooh, 4Ks doesn't cost you anything extra. Still get shipped there. And now that we're into the holidays, you may want to start doing your shipping at Amazon.com. Every little bit comes back our way, or a little bit comes back our way, helps us continue to do everything that we do here at Majorspoilers.com. Amazon. Dot com that banner over at majorspoilers.com all right let us get into and i really did not plan for this to be a whole marvel episode <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> sorry maybe, i yeah. just like <laughs> no 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 i mean it just kind of worked out that way it's cool it um but hopefully that'll you know convince some people are always like you guys and never review we'll anything no marvel. marvel for six months and people will be mad at oh no that's that. the plan Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So this week we are taking a look at Immortal Weapons. It's it's a five issue miniseries uh, from DC Comics. Uh, it's got Fat Cobra. Oh, it's ooh. got uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Marvel Comics. It's got uh, Fat Cobra. It's got uh, Brother Dog number one. It's Dog got number one. Um, the Bride uh, of the Bride of the Nine, of the nine spiders. spiders. It's the got Tiger's so beautiful daughter. But here's so here's the thing. All of these are. All of these stories are origin issues of these characters mm-hmm. who've only been around since 2007, right? In, in Immortal Iron Fist number yeah, eight is yeah. where they all they were. I, aside from uh, the Prince of Orphans, who's a hell of a, tr- a throwback, all of oh, these yeah. characters were new to the uh, Immortal Weapons stuff. Yeah, yeah. Prince the, of Orphans has, has pedigree going back to 1939, I think. Right. So I, what I'm, was going on? So Matthew, give us a rundown then, or, or Rodrigo, one of you two. What was going on in Iron Fist number eight that had us introduced to all of these immortal weapons? The the capital cities of heaven arc had Iron Fist, who has for, you know, since his origin, been basically the designated protector of the lost city of Kunlun, getting stuck in a essentially a mortal combat type tournament where he discovered that, and we the readers discovered, 
that there was more than one city that, you know, it's always been part of his trope that Iron Fist is the latest of a long line of Iron Fists who protect the city of Kunlun. Right. But this introduced the other seven capital cities. And each one of these immortal weapons is basically the protector, like Iron Fist, of their city. There's a seventh one who's out there missing, uh, the uh, Steel Dragon, who's kind of a jerk. Oh, but he's not showing up. He doesn't show up in this series, though. No, in this series, they only guy? do five of the seven. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that's another guy. Iron that... Fist is the sixth, and the seventh right. is actually an old school Iron Fist foe going back to the seventies. Mm, okay. Right. Um, so, so yes, I, I, I guess um, it's not just uh, Amazing Man that has the pedigree. It's, it's also um, that guy, Davos. Well, Amazing Man still got like sure, five sure, sure, decades on Davos, but still. Yeah, and actually, I well. For me, when I when I saw this, I was like, "Oh, that's great!" Because when that arc ends, all of the immortal weapons, except for Davos, who I think died in it, um, get if not stranded, they like end up on Earth. So I yeah. thought that this that this uh, miniseries was going to be a hilarious sitcom in which Iron Fist has to like. <laughs> interact with these five basically kung fu monsters right who right. have who have very rarely been to earth and and yep. don't re- you know because they come basically from kung fu space heaven right 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 so they like they might not understand things uh turns out it is not that was not what it was and no, i was a little disappointed fact, about we it. learned that right away with uh, fat cobra mm-hmm. right. because he's been on earth for i don't know 100 years at least something like, like that decades, yeah. um because he goes back all the way to the 1920s when he made his first appearance doing whatever he was doing on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, his story is <laughs> rather interesting. In well, no, not not quite yet, because um, we find out about his birth. You know, he is so drunk, he can't remember his own history. So he hires somebody to go investigate uh, Carmichael, um, who I thought was going to turn out to be one of his sons. Um, mm. Oh, that would have been cool. Right. Uh, goes and does the investigation, yeah. comes back and says, you know what? You're really not as great as you think you are. You mm-hmm. are the son of a pig farmer who gave you up for adoption after three days, and then your entire city kicked you out because they couldn't feed you, you, you <laughs> fat pig. And so they sent you to Earth where you know you were picked up by a, an orphanage, and then you were put into the, uh, into the Chinese opera. Uh, national opera and that's where you toured and that's where you got to see you know paris and italy and all all these different uh cities and, and countries and started to really develop himself as a fighter and then it's only after he gets past that mark that he realizes he can fight pays his way to get back into where's he from pan lai Peng lai. Uh, uh he pays his way to get back in there learns how to fight and then over the course of decades uh, attempts to slay the the dragon of that world so that he could become yes, the immortal the, the weapon. Immortal weapon the immortal. Yeah. But the problem and he is the first two previous cobras as well which I think is kind of neat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although they referred to him as fat cobra the whole time and I figured the cobra aspect of it was going right. to be like he wasn't going to earn that name when he became the champion but apparently anybody who comes out of that dojo is a cobra. Mm. Right, right, right. And his master just didn't care for him and just said, yeah, you fat cobra. Mm-hmm. Fat. And it just kind of stuck that way. Um, and then it gets a little weird because in all this time that he's been running around, 100 years, been having a lots of one night stands with women and sired a lot of kids. 
And his big turning point in how did he learn to fight so that he could go and defeat the dragon was his kids came after him and he had to kill them one by one, which is... Or or in droves. Or in droves, yeah, right, right. as yeah, as it's kind right. of depicted in the story. But um, that seems a little awkward and weird yeah. in the context of that story. And yet it, it kind of fits his bit. I love this first issue much more than any of the other issues in the series. Mm-hmm. Simply because of the, the world building on display. <laughs> the fact that they, they're like, Fat Cobra is not only awesome... He's been around for decades and you didn't know it. And he used to hang out with Bloodstone. And one time he fought these werewolves on the moon with Nick Fury. Well, and that's what and he know, wanted. He won a contest against Hercules and Volstagg and Carcass of the Inhumans. Well, and that's what was uh, throwing me because I had not read the um, Iron Fist story. So I didn't know how far back these characters went. So when they were talking about him with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and everything else, I was like, is this a character that goes back, you know, 60 years? Of course, I looked it up None and I was like, no, no, these guys no, all no, no. show up in 2007 and they've all been retconned back into past stories. So sure. that kind of threw me a little bit and I think maybe lessened the importance maybe of this trade overall because they these are relatively new characters and these are their origin stories, which I'm fine with. But uh, it did kind of throw me when they got into the whole, uh, you know, the the history of especially with Fat Cobra. Um. Bride of Nine Spiders, though, her origin's a little bit different. She's kind of creepy. And a little bit terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and each one of these immortal weapons is a little different, and each one of them, you know, kind of represents the mojo of their city. And Bride of Nine Spiders, I think, kind of comes from that that town where the Munsters live and where the Adams family are. Yeah. Because her, her whole arc is just like, oh, creepy. <laughs> I'm terrified. Make it stop. Is that Dan Brereton? That's really great art. But still, oh. Now, this is the art that I didn't care for that much. Brereton? Yeah. Really? It's, it's good, but it's just there were parts of it where things just were, the faces were a little bit too flat. And the eyes a lot of times looked like they were pasted on. Hmm. And that just kind of bothered that, that me. That is kind of his style. Yeah. His his style, especially in this issue, reminds me of Gene Colan. Hmm. And as much as I I love Gene Colan, I can definitely see where it's an acquired taste. But yeah, this yeah. is, I think, I like the 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 Brereton issue is probably the most consistent of the five. Well, and I was going to say, I do yeah. like this art better than the art in the first issue. Yeah. And and I'm reading this digitally from the single issues not in the collected trade in the single issues. There's also a backup story that mm-hmm. features iron man, uh, iron fist and, um, Jada, one of his pupils. Um, and the art in that is just awful. Oh my God. I couldn't read it. I, I was like, I hope we don't actually do this because that <laughs> I hated the art so much oh, yeah. that I actually just didn't read it. There, there's a whole panel where it I, looks like they're, the characters are melting. Ugh. Um, but going back to, to, uh, nine poison spider girl, yeah, Nine Poison Spider-Girl. Bride of Nine Spiders. Yes, this is a good horror uh, episode. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Issue. This felt a lot like uh, in Poltergeist, you know, when everybody starts freaking out and that guy sees his face, like, sees something no, there and he starts no, peeling it away no, and there's la, la, maggots la, la, and meat la, la, and everything. La, la, I mean, there's elements la, la, of that. La, la, la. There's elements in that in here because she is, uh, you know, psychically giving sure. them... Uh, illusions like the one woman's hand is turning into a giant spider uh it's uh it is creepy 
does she? I mean, she, but again, she doesn't have this. This character I didn't feel was developed. No, just, no, no, no. She's no, just no. a spooky person who comes in, she's, does her thing, and exits, and then everybody's right. after yeah. this spider. She's intentionally mysterious because yeah. I think that adds to scary, scary. Uh, uh, here's here's the thing, and and we'll talk about this later. Like, um, I thought, for example, that the Bride of Nine Spider story was stronger than the um, Tiger's Beautiful Daughter story. Mm. And the reason for that is is that the Bride of Nine Spider story has a purpose and kind of a theme, right? Um, whereas I thought, like, it's like Tiger's Beautiful Daughter. Actually, straight up origin story, mm-hmm. but a lot weaker. I thought that the Bright and Spiders, even though that one doesn't tell you anything about her origin, right, right, right. It's still a better story. Mm. Yeah, and her her origin, the Bright of Nine Spiders, uh, non origin, I think is really good. But I had the same problem with the uh, Dog Brother story in that it's so originy of an origin to where you get to that point where it's just like okay. You've told me almost too much about this mysterious character's background, and now I kind of feel like maybe you've taken away some of the awesome. I th- so I, I well, appreciated the fact that the Bride of Nine Spider stays remote and scary and terrifying and does her <laughs> evil laugh. I think the thing that's interesting about Dog Brother number one is that it doesn't necessarily feature him except vicariously through this girl who a boy. is it a boy? I thought it was a, a malnourished. Uh, okay, so yeah, they're both boys. Through this boy, um, who would have been cool this... if it was a girl, but it would have gone a, like it would have then become a, a yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah, dog brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know this, the character lives vicariously through this kid who just has all this faith through all these stories, and it's almost like in the end when his brother is killed. That he wills Dog Brother to life, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like he steps out of the fantasy world into the reality and does the work for the character. Because the character at this point is, I still believe, I still believe, I still believe, I still believe. You killed my brother, you a-holes. And then suddenly, uh, Dog Brother comes out mm-hmm. and starts fighting. So it's almost the the way that it's played out, even though we know that these are real uh, – the characters – uh, have some history uh, mm-hmm. through the other stories. If you were just reading this, there is that moment where you think, "Oh, this kid has willed this this person to life," and it's actually mm, that's, a, that's definitely a, like I think if this existed um, outside of the uh, Iron Fist mini universe, I think that that would be a fa- a completely fair read yeah, yeah, of the story yeah. to just go with that. And just because of that, all the violence we see is actually the kid imparting all the violence onto the captors and then the kid just through this mental, I guess psychosis, if you would, would in, in mm-hmm. the way that you can interpret the story picks up and becomes dog brother. Number one, who probably could have, or may never have existed. Right. Except we know that it doesn't, we know that dog brother came to the last minute cause he's got so many duties right. uh, going on. Um, this is a hard story. This one was a hard story to get. Oh to. yeah. Yeah. I read it as kind of a, a, a great pumpkin tale where Linus is in the pumpkin patch trying and trying and trying to prove that it's the most uh, sincere pumpkin patch. And at the end, when Dog Brother arrives, it kind of feels like Dog Brother has come specifically for those last two pages. He yeah. knows that that's going to happen. That's why he's here. Yeah. He, he's come. He's found you. You are now going to have to you know go through this process and 
Yeah, just like this Linus becomes the great pumpkin. Yeah, just like when a pig pin exactly. comes in and uh, starts uh, killing Lucy and and uh, <laughs> and what's the and what's then the, what's they, they finally have to name? feed the evil rerun the rerun. Yeah, yeah. pig pin comes in and starts killing rerun. Yes, <laughs> that'd be a terrible horror but story. The, the way the way it ends, it it kind of feels like that whole setup was this is you know this is your origin by torture. Yeah. As we go through it. And now, now, you know, Dog Brother knew he had to come, not because he had to save this one kid, but because the other kid was, you know, basically the legacy of the Dog Brother. So. And then, of course, I uh, kind of like that. You got to kill the Dog Brother. Kids got to kill the Dog Brother in order to take over and become the leader of the world. And wolf if pack. you see the Buddha on the road, you must kill him. Mm-hmm. I suppose. But again, oh, this caretaker's backup story. Did you read any of that, Zach, the, the caretaker stuff? No, I just skipped yeah. right uh, over it. It was terrible. It might, just, have, it, it might have been a well-written story, but man, that art. Yeah. I just couldn't yeah. read it. I just couldn't look at it. it. It's, it's, I don't want to be mean. It's no, not a well-written story. Oh, okay. it, it's, it's, an, it's not, an average story. It's not, yeah, and this is the thing. This is after the creator of the Immortal Weapons left the main Iron Fist title. And this series came out at a point where I felt like Immortal Iron Fist was basically starting to wind down onto its last legs because the new guy wasn't quite. It's it's like Twilight Zone without Rod Serling, yeah. as good as it gets, still not right. And that's kind of the way I felt about Swarchinsky's run on Immortal Iron Fist. And this backup story is indicative of that issue for me. So Did he write that? You know, did he write the backup story? Yeah. yeah. Uh. I think he also wrote um, the entire Tiger's Beautiful Daughter. Yeah, he did. That's that's what we're getting to now. Um, so I guess I just, in this, in this limited series, I can understand these as origin stories uh, be, and how they're all tied together through the five issues. But again, that backup story made no sense to be included in this, in, in this collection at all. It, it doesn't make sense unless they're trying to fill page counts. Well, yeah, that I might have been part of it. Hot character. It was a hot character at that time. And I think, you know, they wanted to make sure that this was directly tied to the home Iron well, Fist. I mean, it, it makes it, it makes sense that they would have put an Iron Fist backup into this limited series. I mean, it does because these are Iron Fist. It would be right. like um, if they did, but this I mean, is to not, a certain degree, it's this like, isn't, this isn't titled Iron Fist Immortal Weapons. It's called the Immortal Weapons. They could have said from the pages of Iron Fist, but I, I really didn't see the need to have Iron Fist in here, except for in the last, in the last arc, this, this, well, yeah, but then he's actually involved right, in right, that story. He's involved I, I, in that story, but well, the, the caretaker comics story do, has comics no, do backups all the time. I know, but not in a, I, I guess you don't typically see it in a limited run like this and the backups. No, in a limited series, and the, you don't, and except the backups, for like more anthology looking right. books, which then, you know, but have backups, like a main story and a backup. The backups then usually tie into the main story in some way. And this one doesn't even tie well, this into one the doesn't really story. have really what this is, is a, it's a series of backups that are just bigger mm-hmm. than the main story, which isn't yeah. very good. Yeah. <laughs> so the, uh, tiger's beautiful daughter. She's not, she's not allowed to fight. And then we find out why. Well, because, uh, the men are, are weak. Uh, they, they go out, they got defeated years and years ago and all the women were killed because it turns out the women are the actual warriors of this, mm-hmm. of this tribe. And the men are drugging the women on a regular basis 
to keep their uh the burning fires of battle mm-hmm. at bay and when uh tiger's beautiful daughter figures this out uh during a raid the start of a raid or the mm-hmm. encroachment of the uh the tribe from years ago she just goes all out and kicks butt and i like this i like the story mm-hmm. um art's okay in this one too um i think between the second issue and this issue they're about the same for me um so but those two issues would have the best art in my opinion this one maybe a little bit better than issue two um did you like you said you didn't like this story though as far as an orange story I, goes. I didn't i didn't it's not that i didn't like it i actually thought this was the weakest story out of all of them mm. because i agree in a because fat cobra is a hilarious romp through the marvel universe mm-hmm. bride of nine spiders is a uh, mysterious tale from beyond yeah house of mystery type tours right um dog brother number one is a story of growing up a destitute street urchin right um um a prince of orphans which we'll get to is a story is is a straight up superhero story in which iron fist teams up with the prince of orphans this story was very much only an origin story right it wasn't a war story it wasn't a um it wasn't a mystery even though there's a war and a mystery in it Mm -hmm. like it was just straight up an origin origin story so that's why i thought it was weak is because i felt that every other story that we've seen so far was clever about the way that they present to you the the mm-hmm. character that you are here to read about because mm-hmm. you go in you've already read out there's no reason why you would pick this up unless you've already read iron fist right or think the names sound awesome yeah and they do and they do um and then so you're there to read that character and then the books usually i find are coy about showing you that character mm-hmm. and i think that's cool in general I thought this one just straight up said, okay, here's actually her origin, (laughs) which is not a bad thing. I just thought that's actually, that's why it makes it the weakest one for me. Do you want to add on to that, Matthew? I think that part of my problem is that the Tiger's Beautiful Daughter as a character in the Iron Fist series is played as just as dangerous and scary and remote as Bride of Nine Spiders. And I feel like the origin that they gave here, not only is it just kind of a straightforward origin, it kind of bothers me in how familiar elements of this origin is Mm -hmm, and how mm -hmm. it's very important that she be the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I mean, and it it feels like the 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 gender of the character. Yeah, the the princess warrior of the strange hidden land. And it feels like the expectation that she be this super, super hot girl somehow subsumes the fact that she's also this immortal weapon killer psycho who has all these awesome powers. And I felt like it kind of does her character a little bit of a disservice the way that it's presented in that it's so straightforward and so familiar. And I, I don't necessarily want to say or throw accusations of any type of, of sexism, but it feels different than the story about the the weird guy and the kick-ass guy and the, you know, the dog brother and the scary, scary girl. It feels like here's the pretty girl and her story somehow feels like it doesn't have the same stakes or the same, you know, super awesomeness that the others have. And that bothers mm. me a little bit. As yeah. Well. Yeah. I can see that now, you know, just so you got listeners know, we're not intentionally leaving Zach out of this. No, 
Zach no, no. Uh, got a little busy with work and family things. Yeah. Also, Zach hasn't read the uh, <laughs> like the Immortal Iron Fist run that these guys come out. No, of, right? I and I haven't. No, either. I never did. Yes, I yes, you have. We we did it for the show. Uh, I thought we did the first five <laughs> issues. I didn't think we did the battle. The issue starting with issue I eight. I think we forward. did a giant trade of Steven, it. Stephen may be right. I think we did the first seven. Oh, yeah, we did the first five oh, or okay, seven issues okay. because I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! I want to read more." And then we never got around to it because oh, I was like, okay. "Oh, because I was like, oh, well, I know that these guys came out of Iron Fist. This is probably why Matthew was recommending it." Mm-hmm. And then as I was reading, I was like, "I don't remember." us ever reading this before and then i looked back in the archives and yeah we only read i see the um, uh, first five issues gotcha that. so but uh, zach you did read the first two issues. i did read the least. first two issues yeah 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 so we're not intentionally no you know, shoving zach aside no 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 i not intentionally told him to shove me to the side no. uh then we get to our fifth and yeah. final uh origin story prince of orphans which really isn't an origin story it's just a no. real cool well, no story where uh the prince of orphans and iron fist team up to battle uh 10,000 ghost uh warriors and a, and dragon. a giant dragon <laughs> although it would have been cool well, if they had done oh i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead you're up um it would have been you're cool up. if they had you're done up. if they had done an origin story of the prince of orphans and it had been in like that four color like dot oh, stuff yeah yeah, yeah. cuz he's like a uh-huh. super old character yeah i know well, nothing about this character either so this is the, um, but, well, John Aman, the Prince of Orphans, is, for all intents and purposes, the same character, John Aman, who was the Golden Age Amazing Man from Centaur Comics. Um, probably best remembered for being pretty much naked and being drawn by Bill Everett, who also created the Submariner. But the original Amazing Man, I think Stacy B may have done a hero history. He did one on the, the green. Amazing Man. He did the green llama. He did the yellow jacket. I swear he did Amazing Man. Maybe he did. But the thing about Amazing Man is all of the Centaur comics have fallen into the public domain. Mm-hmm. I see. So Amazing Man was also part of the 1990s. Remember when Malibu was doing Protectors? Yes. Yeah, terrible book. Amazing Man was part of that. Uh, this go. is basically taking that Golden Age character and doing a new spin on him to make sure that, you know, I think yep. it's just kind of a We do have a, a little, hero history. Hey, this okay, is awesome. cool. Cool. He's also a part of uh, Project Superpowers. Oh, is he? That Alex Ross did over at Dynamite. Yeah. But he's one of the really old school guys. And the reason that they brought him in, I think, is because his origin is Iron Fist's origin. He's an orphan who ended up in a strange uh, uh, order of monks in the mountains somewhere. And Roy Thomas, when he, uh, I think it was Roy Thomas, somebody may tell me if I'm wrong, when he created the Iron Fist backstory, actually lifted or homaged, if you will, the Golden Age Amazing Man's origin story for Iron Fist. So when you read this issue and you see Iron Fist teaming up with the Prince of Orphans, it feels like a new character hanging out with an old character, but what ah. it is is an old character hanging out with a character who's based on a really old character, and thus, you know, you have the circle of life. It's a it's a pretty cool story. At one point, uh, these ten thousand warriors uh, were trapped in a um, in a castle, more or less a keep, uh, where their spirits were going to hang out until they could go out and avenge um, or kill the the ruler that they were all set on killing. 
Uh, and then there was a giant dragon put in front to keep them at bay. Well, the dragon's getting old and feeble, and it's starting to wander out of its territory and kill people. And so um, uh, John Amon uh, says, hey, this dragon's from your area. Yeah, he doesn't want to step on Iron Iron Fist's toes. Right. So not that, there and kill that, not kill that, that Iron dragon. Fist cares. Right, right, right. Right. Or even realizes yeah, necessarily. Yeah. So while he's busy battling the dragon... Uh, John goes in and just has this massive battle with these ten thousand ghost warriors, which I thought, which I thought was cool because it could have been easy to be just like, let's focus on Iron Fist on the dragon, right, right, and and then they could have just had you know uh, Prince of Orphans come back out and be like, all right, I took care of those ghosts, and then that be that, mm-hmm. still make him seem cool or whatever. But I like that they focused on him. Like we don't, we mostly don't see. Iron Fist fighting the dragon, except when he finally beats it and crashes through the uh, ceiling. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I like I like this story probably the most of all of them. Yeah, well, this one's good. Fat Dragon, the, or I'm sorry, it's not Fat Dragon, Fat Cobra. <laughs> uh, I also liked that story because it did have a lot of humor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it did inject the character throughout the entire Marvel universe, yeah, which I liked. Sure. And it it gives him a heart that some characters don't necessarily have because. I mean, it injects weird tragedy into his background. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this, this fun-loving, awesome kind of derpy, derpy guy, and it makes him just somebody who's been through these terrible, terrible experiences. He, You know, he had to murder his own children, but he also fought Nazi werewolves on the moon. I mean, how can you not love that dichotomy? This is why Fat Cobra is my favorite Marvel character ever. I love the sequence in that issue when the the writer is just listing off all like that that middle section of just weird stuff the montage yeah it yeah, sounded yeah. like the uh poet guy from a knight's tale but giving like the weirdest intro like ever Chaucer, yeah. for someone to come lance someone oh rick von yeah. lichtenstein <laughs> so what's the bottom line on this rodrigo for you for me I was glad to read more about these characters, but interestingly, like, I wanted to see the further adventures of the Immortal Weapons. Right. This was disappointing in the sense that it wasn't that. Also that a lot of the time, really except for Fat Cobra, I felt that giving these characters a backstory actually kind of diminishes them. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it was okay. I liked I liked the Seven Capital Cities of Heaven arc so much that I'm I was very happy to read this. I was happy to see these characters again. Mm-hmm. Um I would I don't think I would recommend this to anybody who didn't really like that book and certainly not to anybody who hasn't read it. So yeah. sorry about that, Zach. That's okay. Um because because I think you need to. I think that unlike other things where you can kind of get it from context mm-hmm. or that might pique your interest about uh the the original, I think these you absolutely will not get anything no. out of them yeah. unless you've read that art. Certainly I guess, a lot less. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess for me, for me, I just got a 70s kung fu vibe mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. And even though I don't know who these characters are, yeah, I followed it enough to to be enjoyable to the point where I was like, so how far back do these characters go? And then I looked it up and said, oh, they all go back to issue eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for me, do these characters continue beyond that Seven Cities of Heaven arc? Uh, do is is Fat Cobra still running around the Marvel universe, or 
Or is that a big spoiler for how that uh, arc ends? No, 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 no. They none, all none of these guys have really made any major appearances since okay. the end of Immortal Iron Fist, but I don't believe any of them were murdered. Okay. Anything else? Then pick it up, and skip it, whatever, Rodrigo. I would say skip it unless you've unless you've read these the whole arc of Seven Capital Cities of Heaven. Okay, Zach, do you have anything you want to share? Um. I thought the first issues, I mean, the first two issues were okay, knowing the rest of them were just more origin issues makes me not want to read the rest of it. Okay. Especially because I didn't really know who the characters were. That was... Okay. It just seemed odd. For me, I, I like this series. Uh, the art was very hit or miss most of the time. Yeah. But I think as far as origin stories goes, uh, for five different characters, you could do worse. Um. And so I didn't hate this book. I didn't uh, I didn't love this book. I thought it was interesting, and it does kind of uh, pique my interest a little bit more to finally get in there and figure out some way that we can read uh, the Iron Fist uh, arc um, and see, you know, how these characters really play out and what they can what they're capable of doing. Of course, all the reviews can be of that series can be read over at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, just do a search in the reviews or up at the uh, search bar in the uh, up at the top of the page. Um, so for me, I'm going to say maybe if you have any kind of interest in Marvel martial arts comics, if you have any interest in Iron Fist and you're tangentially aware of everything that's going on with uh, Iron Fist and uh, or, yeah, I think you're going to be OK, uh, but it's not a rush out and read it and buy it kind of book for me. Matthew, what about you? These are good support stories. These are good stories to strengthen the impact of the seven capital cities of heaven arc and about half of them are really good stories and the other half are kind of well executed but maybe more run-of-the-mill stories this doesn't feel like a coherent trade certainly and the fact Mm -hmm. that it was solicited as a mini is kind of ironic because it's not a mini there's really no through line it's five one shots so had this been you know fat cobra one shot number one prince of orphans one shot number one i think i would have been happier with it but that's a presentation issue when you really break it down these are good if you're gonna read immortal iron fist and if you're gonna you wanna or you have i would say these are things that i would recommend to you as if you want more here is some if you haven't read those, if you don't have any interest in those, read it. Honestly, go to the 50 cent bin of your local comic shop, read issue one, read issue five, uh, browse issue three and four, you know, and then you can kind of just, you know, be cha chaing. Sure. It's, it's, it's a weird collection. It's a weird series. They're weird characters, which is great. But I think the way this whole thing breaks down just kind of feels like, Five vignettes. Had these been backups in Iron Fist, I think it would have been perfectly understandable. I think it would have worked there, too. So Excellent. Well. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Zach, for all being part of the Major Spoilers uh, podcast this week. And again, listeners, thank you so much for uh, sharing this experience with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can certainly use the comment section of this episode to uh, provide some feedback. Or if you have any questions, you can send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. That wraps it up uh, again for this episode. Next week, I think we will look at uh, 52. I think we'll look at the first six issues of 52. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon.
If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Find the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save some bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the rack. And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, it'd make me wait out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Away. If I was hulking green or gray, I could bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Major spoiler, yeah, 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 yeah. What a major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2013.